WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. 1.1 million Michigan residents voted in the primary election by absentee ballot this week. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson talked about what comes next. Once every valid ballot is counted and the unofficial results are released, election officials will shift their attention to election canvassing. This is the process whereby they review all election processes, procedures, and results to confirm accuracy and proper protocols that were followed today and throughout the election cycle and correct any clerical errors. Benson says the elections were handled across the state without any issues. Following Tuesday's primaries, Republican State Senator Eric Nesbitt will head into November's general election facing Democrat Kim Jorgensen Gain after defeating two challengers. Nesbitt says he's, quote, honored for the opportunity to work side-by-side with Tudor Dixon and Republican candidates up and down the ticket to earn big wins in November. Meanwhile, farther to the south, in the 17th District, Jonathan Lindsay of Bronson beat State Senator Kim Lasada in the Republican primary. Lindsay will face Democrat Scott Rex in November. The 17th District covers the southern half of Berrien County and extends east through Cass, St. Joseph, and Branch Counties, also including part of Hillsdale, Jackson, and Calhoun Counties. Democrat Joey Andrews will face Republican Kevin Whiteford in the November election for Michigan House in the 38th District following the primaries this week. Andrews trailed in Van Buren and Allegan counties Tuesday, but came out on top in Berrien County, giving the giving him the primary win. He tells us his priorities include increasing the availability of affordable housing, especially with like the short term vacation rentals driving prices up all over the region. Keeping local control of of those and doing what we can to address that housing issue. Bringing skilled trades programs back into the schools in the area is our second highest priority. Andrews says education and skilled trades will help promote a sustainable economy in southwest Michigan. On the Republican side, Kevin Whiteford claimed victory in the 38th District primary late this morning. Republican George Lucas, who trailed Whiteford by a small margin, said on Facebook he was still waiting for a good final number. Stay tuned. Whiteford, meanwhile, says he's honored to accept the GOP nomination. We'll be catching up with him in the coming days. Also, Republican State Rep Pauline Wenzel will compete in November with Democrat Jared Planowski in the 39th District. And Republican State Representative Brad Paquette will face Democrat Naomi Ludman in the 37th District. Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, the U.S. Representative for Indiana's 2nd Congressional District, is dead after a traffic crash in Elkhart County today. She was killed along with three others in the crash at SR-19 and SR-119 near Napanee. Walorski was in an SUV with Zachary Potts and Emma Thompson when it was in a crash at an intersection. All three were killed along with the other driver, identified as Edith Schumacher of Napanee. Uh, Wolorski of South Bend represented Indiana's 2nd District since 2012. Congressman Fred Upton says he's, quote, heartbroken. He notes he often traveled on the same plane as Wolorski. He says, quote, she had no enemies and worked so hard on veteran issues as well. Meanwhile, Congressman Fred Upton is welcoming House passage of the Advancing Telehealth Beyond COVID-19 Act last week. He tells us the bill will help ensure doctors can continue providing remote appointments with patients who can't physically go to the office. It allows physicians to be able to get reimbursement from different agencies, whether it be Medicare or other sources, insurance companies, for actually having a visit on the Internet versus forcing people to come into the office and filling out the forms and and doing it that way. 
Upton says the COVID pandemic shows the importance and benefits of telemedicine. The legislation keeps in place rules for reimbursements approved by Congress at the start of the pandemic. They'll now remain through 2024. Upton says Congress must also continue helping states and communities expand broadband access where it's lacking. The sixth annual Breastfeeding on the Bluff is planned for this Saturday in downtown St. Joseph. Berrien County Health Department lactation consultant Mistel De Verona tells us the event is to encourage the breastfeeding of babies and offer support to mothers. She says breastfeeding is healthy for the baby. Immediately, there's better digestive health. There's a lower rate of SIDS. So breastfeeding actually impacts infant mortality. It decreases infant mortality, which is an issue in Berrien County. De Verona says CDC information shows not all mothers who want to breastfeed continue to do so for as long as recommended. Breastfeeding on the Bluff is a way to help mothers join each other in solidarity. It's going to be a really lovely gathering of breastfeeding families and also advocates. It can be really isolating to have a baby and just to be home breastfeeding that baby and you feel like you're all alone. So it's really empowering to be around other families who are doing the same thing. Breastfeeding on the Bluff will feature health information, activities for the kids, snacks and drinks, and a raffle. The Great Start Collaborative will also have a goodie bag giveaway. The event is Saturday at 10 in the a.m. across the street from the Maud Preston Polensky Memorial Library along the Bluff. It's being held as part of National Breastfeeding Month. And longtime Countryside Academy Athletic Director Derek Nestick died unexpectedly at the age of 49, according to the Benton Harbor-based school. It announced that this morning. Nestick was employed by the Academy for 23 years and was also a coach and physical education teacher. The school says he was always able to make special connections with anyone who walked through its doors, and returning alumni would always request to see him when they visited. He was an avid outdoorsman with a special passion for fishing, bird watching, and nature photography. Countryside Administrator Sarah Brookshire says he even brought a fish to school because he was so proud of it. She says that he will be missed, and the loss will forever reverberate across the thousands of lives that he touched. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues. A little more than a month after the Supreme Court overturned the national right to abortion, President Biden has issued executive orders to make sure women can still make that choice where it's legal. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden today signs an executive order to pave the way for Medicaid to pay for abortion services for people traveling from a state where abortion is illegal to a state where abortion is legal. The president will sign the order during the first meeting of a federal interagency task force on reproductive health care access he created last month. He'll attend the event virtually since he's still isolating with a rebound case of COVID. The move by the president comes as voters in Kansas Tuesday overwhelmingly blocked an amendment that would have eliminated the constitutional right to an abortion from that state's constitution. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones says he now understands it was irresponsible of him to declare the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre a hoax and that he he now believes it was 100 percent real. Testifying today in his own defense at a civil trial to determine how much he owes for defaming the parents of one of the children who were killed in the 2012 attack in Connecticut, the InfoWars host acknowledged it was irresponsible of him to push the false claim that the massacre didn't happen. The parents suing Jones, though, testified this week an apology wouldn't suffice. They're seeking at least $150 million. Closing arguments expected to begin later today. The last of the victims of the May 24th Uvalde school shooting, Maya Zamora, has finally been discharged from the hospital. 
It's an important moment in one child's physical recovery, but for the families of the 21 people who died, the emotional wounds are still far from healed. More from ABC's Jim Ryan. McKenna Lee Elrod loved her family. She loved her friends, classmates, and teachers, and she loved butterflies. When the 10-year-old became one of 21 people to die in the Robb Elementary School shooting, her family had no choice. The dress that we put her to rest in was a purple dress with butterflies. April Elrod says butterflies were released at her daughter's funeral. And now... When we go visit her at the cemetery, there's always butterflies around. To the Elrod family, it's not a coincidence, but a reminder. We're going to see McKenna again, and, you know, this is just a temporary separation. Jim Ryan, ABC News. The scenic northern California hamlet of Klamath River was home to about 200 people, a community center and a corner store and post office. But the deadly wildfire raging through the forested region near the Oregon state line jumped the river last weekend, killed four residents, and turned most of the community into ashes. Some residents are now picking through the burned-out shells of their homes. 80-year-old Roger Derry is among the few whose homes were spared by the inferno. He calls the situation sad and disheartening and believes most residents will eventually rebuild. The fire erupted last Friday and was still out of control today. The PACT Act, a bill that would help veterans who were exposed to burn pits and other toxic substances while deployed, was finally passed in the Senate today. The bill was supposed to pass last week, but some Senate Republicans killed its progress over modified language about funding. ABC's Zoreen Shah says the bill's passage came with some celebrations and relief from advocates. We had a reporter who was out there, and she said it was an incredibly rare moment. I mean, you had 50 to 75 veterans in the chamber watching as that vote unfolded last night. That's really rare in this COVID era. One of those people was John Stewart. He's been the face of leading this effort, and they waited as those votes came in. And they came in 86 to 11. There were a lot of hugs. There was emotion. The first grain shipment to leave Ukraine under a Black Sea wartime deal has passed inspection in Istanbul and is headed to Lebanon. Ukraine says 17 other vessels at its ports are loaded with grain and waiting for permission to leave. There's no word yet, though, on when they could depart. Authorities said a joint civilian inspection team spent three hours Wednesday checking the cargo and crew on the ship Rizzoni. The wartime deal aimed to ease food security around the globe by creating a safe corridor across the Black Sea. Elsewhere, Russian forces kept up their bombardment of a southern Ukrainian city in the east. Ukrainian forces said they repulsed more than a dozen Russian attacks in the Donetsk province. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is one step closer to going to Washington. ABC's Jill Enders has more from St. Louis. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt won yesterday's Missouri Republican primary for the U.S. Senate. We are entering the most consequential decade in American history since the Civil War. The Democrats aren't playing small ball. They're playing for keeps. They're two votes away, two votes away in the United States Senate from packing the Supreme Court. Schmidt beat out 20 other candidates in the GOP primary election. Jill Enders, ABC News, St. Louis. U.S.-China relations are teetering on a precipice after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan this week. She was greeted in Taipei and applauded with bipartisan support in Washington despite White House misgivings. Her trip has enraged Beijing and will complicate already strained ties even after her departure. China is preparing a show of force in the Taiwan Strait to make clear its claims are non-negotiable on the island it regards as a renegade province. And as the U.S. presses ahead with shows of support for Taiwan, including military sales and diplomatic lobbying, the escalating tensions have raised the risk of military confrontation, intentional or not. And Warner Brothers has canceled the release of a movie 
because it's so bad. More from ABC's Jason Nathanson. Batgirl was going to be the latest entry in the Batman DC superhero universe, with Leslie Grace, one of the breakout stars of In the Heights, taking on the title role. It also starred Michael Keaton returning as Batman and Brendan Fraser as the villain Firefly. Word is that the movie is 80-90% to finished, but it won't see the light of day. Warner Brothers making the surprise announcement Tuesday that Batgirl and an upcoming Scooby-Doo movie are being shelved. They were meant to debut on HBO Max, Warner Brothers saying theaters and not streaming are now the priority. Batgirl reportedly cost around $90 million, many saying, why? Why not just put it on HBO Max? Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.